0: From the heartland of America and the gateway to the West, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation, around the world. I'm George Norrie. This is Coast to Coast AM. Later tonight, life with animals. Before we begin, our condolences to Coast to Coast listener Garrett Thompson on the death of his mother, Fanny, an avid Coast to Coast listener. Garrett sent me an email tonight that was just so heartwarming about how they would listen to the program and interact with each other. She was 66 years old. Here's what's happening. United Airlines and Alaska Airlines have discovered more loose parts on 737 MAX 9 jets that they have inspected after a near catastrophe on a flight Friday signaling Boeing's issues go way beyond the aircraft that made that emergency landing. The four bolts designed to keep the plug from moving off the stops were missing adding that they would work to determine whether the bolts had ever been installed on that original door that blew off around 16,000 feet in the air from Alaska Airlines. Nobody was hurt, thank God. A new California gun law banning the concealed carry of firearms in sensitive places, including places of worship, public libraries, amusement parks, zoos, sporting events, is once again blocked after a decision by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Dr. John Curtis, onlinecolumnist.com with us here. John, a little different talking to you about this story, but it's an important one.
1: Oh,
2: it's a, it's a very important story because it means the most liberal circuit court, this is the appeals court in San Francisco, uh, a three judge panels ruled that it's unconstitutional. Now, think about this, George. The legislature wastes all this time. They have a legislative analyst. They analyze the constitutionality of these various bills that come through. You know, in a liberal state like California, you can push a lot of unconstitutional things through that legislature because they don't pay attention to the Constitution. And there's a thing, there's somebody called the attorney general's name is Ron Bonta, and he knew that this bill would not pass muster. It is not constitutional. It was too vague, too broad, involved too many places, involved people who have a concealed weapons license. You know, there are people that apply for it. These are not the kind of people that are going to go ballistic in a public place, somebody with a concealed weapons license. It's somebody who doesn't have a concealed weapons license, who has their guns purchased illegally. And who is or mentally deranged, basically, and could never get a concealed weapons license. So the fact that this, that you know, the the circuit court judge that pronounced this as unconstitutional and blocked it, they, it was you know Rob Bonta, you know the attorney general that took this to the California uh, appeals court, the Ninth Circuit. And you know the California gun, is, you know we have a uh, 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 rifle and pistol association here, and equivalent, similar to the NRA. Um, they took it also to the uh, circuit court for a uh, an injunction against you know this um, ruling that they could go forward with this bill that was supposed to uh, be you know go into effect on on um, January one. So I think it's a win for people that care – George, we have to care about the Constitution because it's being eviscerated everywhere you look right now uh, with people simply trying people in absentia, trying people in the media on a daily basis, introducing facts that are not evidence on television 24-7 convicting people like Donald Trump and not letting the courts play out in an appropriate way if there's anything that has gone on. We are not a constitutional democracy if we don't uphold our laws. And I think that's what the uh, Ninth Circuit Court did this time. Good,
0: good insight, John. Thank you very much. Raising the price of sugar-sweetened sodas, coffees, teas, energy drinks, sports and fruit drinks by an average of 31%, reduce consumer purchases of those drinks by a third, according to new analysis of restrictions implemented in five U.S. cities. Charles Coppas, investment advisor and guru, is with us here. You raise the prices, that's what's going to happen, Charles.
1: I don't know, George. I mean, what's the world coming to? You know, can't get a soft drink. I mean, you know, recently we've talked about food prices going up, especially soft drinks, and uh, I wasn't aware that some jurisdictions in the U.S. and 50 countries impose an excise tax for distributors that are passed on to the consumer, you know. So you have prices up 30% or something, and then you get sales down, like that's not supposed to happen. I mean, you know, I mean, that's why we also see shrinkflation with products uh, a lot of times. But in the case of Pepsi recently, they've raised prices every quarter now for the past two years. I mean, it's so bad that food chains in Europe won't even sell their products anymore. We're talking 9,000 stores over there. And, you know, look, we know soft drinks aren't healthy. Uh, They have no nutritional value. I tend to avoid them. We know that aspartame, sucralose, high fructose corn syrup, these lead to heart disease, cancer, obesity, diabetes, and so on. So politicians, Apparently, want to discourage bad habits, and they pass this on to the distributors to raise tax revenue. And in fact, a reduction in surgery, uh, sugary drinks, I think, would probably have a big effect by saving billions in the healthcare costs. You know, but people are going to do what they want. I mean, 60% drink soft drinks every day. A lot of those energy drinks. I don't try to ever take those, like Red Bull and stuff, because it just gets my heart going too much. But you know, this is what they call a sin tax, in which they put extra tax on items that are deemed harmful or to individuals and society like alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and of course now soft drinks. But critics say it's a regressive tax because it discriminates against those, of course, who are lower income, minority, and so on. It leads to black markets and the crime and even sometimes a lot of violence. In fact, in 1791, there was the famous Whiskey Rebellion. Uh, because the government imposed an excise tax on whiskey. People didn't like that. That didn't go over too well. Uh, So they wanted to raise revenue. And and, uh, so that didn't go very well for about four years. And maybe maybe we'll have a Pepsi rebellion here. You know, I mean, uh, we know the House Democrats, they tried to pass a huge bill, a tax really, on guns and ammo. And they keep trying to do this, especially in California, uh, because they could also be harmful to politicians, as they say. But I say, George, that we put a syntax on the salaries of wealthy politicians. These we are taxes. And instead of reducing debt and spending and maybe do it in proportion to how many years they've been in office, I think that would find a lot of uh, widespread support, don't you?
0: I do, too. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. Astronauts won't get to walk on the moon again until September 2026 at the earliest. It represents a slip of a year in the previously targeted date for the return of humans to the lunar surface that was last achieved in 1972. NASA says that delay to what's known as its Artemis 3 mission will enable further technology development. The agency still doesn't have a craft to put astronauts on the moon or spacesuits they can even wear. Announcing the delay, the agency administrator, Bill Nelson, said safety drove all timing considerations. We won't fly, he says, until we're ready. In a moment, Tom T. Moore back with us on Coast to Coast. We'll talk a little bit about the angelic realm and his thoughts of the future next on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Tom T. Moore with us has been president and CEO of his own international motion picture in television program distribution business for the past 24-plus years. During this time, he has co-executive produced several movies and TV shows, has traveled extensively as part of his business duties. Mr. Moore graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Business Administration from Texas Christian University, served in the U.S. Army as a First Lieutenant. Thank you, sir and has been requesting benevolent outcomes for 10 years plus and has a keen knowledge of how they can be used both in business affairs and in one's personal life, resulting in more gentle, less stressful life, the gentle way. And here he is back on Coast to Coast. Tom, welcome back. How have you been?
3: Oh, great. Thanks, George. Uh, and a good evening to all your listeners.
0: Well, you too. How did you get involved in the angelic realm? What happened? <laughs>
3: Oh, I'll try and make the story short. Um, I, I had uh, always been interested in uh, uh, you know, paranormal and what have you. And um, uh, one day I was reading the Dallas Morning News and uh, uh, I read an article by an astrologer um, who said that the Dallas Cowboys were not going to the Super Bowl that year but they were going the next year. And so I had never read anything like that, so I tore the article out of the newspaper. And at that time, I owned a small tour company. And uh, at the end of the uh, uh, football season, uh, uh, the guy hit on about 80% of the reasons. So I said, I don't know how this works, but I reserved 300 seats to Miami and was the first, operator in Dallas to ever run a trip to the Super Bowl for when the Cowboys
0: win. You knew it was going to happen. You knew it.
3: (laughs) I knew it on a subconscious level, that's for sure. So, um, uh, you know, and things just kind of flowed along and and, uh, started recording Dreams in 1979. Um, Within two weeks of recording my Dreams, had a had one where my wife and I were supposed to be going to Manila for a world Con- conference of travel agents, and we uh, uh, canceled it when uh, uh, when I had a dream about an explosion and a woman and men involved, and we added days on to Hong Kong and Taipei. And uh, first day of the uh, of the uh, uh, conference, uh, terrorists blew up a bomb oh my in front of a hall, and uh, that's where I like to sit. And so after that, I said, I'm going to record my dreams the rest of my life every morning,
0: which I did. Where, where do you get these insights from, Tom? Are they the angels passing them on to you? How does it happen?
3: I learned to, uh, that, that you start picking up all the stuff in meditation. I highly recommend people start learning how to meditate. And um, and when I uh, started meditating, I uh, first uh, uh, got in touch with a Indian shaman living in the 1600s, and he told me, Tom, he said, um, uh, he said, uh, you're going to reintroduce people to the gentle way. So I got the name of the book, my first book, the first time I ever. Uh, communicated with him and then he, then he said, you're going to write books and I said no no, no i'm a I'm a business guy. I was planning at that time to uh, be in the film distribution business till I retire and he said, no books just that heavy. and so I wrote my first book in about ninety hundred days and um, and it's just continued on from there i've I've now written six books and actually, seventh, uh, just waiting on my last chapter. And, uh, uh, so I'll have a seventh book out this year.
0: What's that seventh book going to be called?
3: It's going to be about my conversations with Gaia, the soul of the earth. Ah. I've, asked, I've asked hundreds and hundreds of questions. And so we've uh, taken these questions that have cropped up in my free weekly newsletters and, um, uh, arrange them in topics like space, technology, and what have you. And uh, I don't think anyone has ever seen
0: anything quite like this. After the break, Tom, we're going to talk about a number of issues that you see for this year and the years ahead. Where did you get them? Did they come to you from the angelic realm, or are they from your intuition?
3: Uh, No. uh, A lot of people from all over the world send me questions to ask in these meditative sessions so I've asked 30,000 questions over the years and uh, and and so they just kind of accumulate
0: <laughs> are you a little like Edgar Casey was in a trance state you pick up all this information
3: uh, yeah except that I mean when I go into a, a meditative state I say I I wish to speak to Gaia and Gaia says uh, here I am Tom and that's That's the way it goes. Gaia, my guardian angel, um, even creator. I've spoken a number of times with creator um, who says that uh, creator is there and will respond to you uh, if you simply ask. And creator can have trillions of conversations going on all at the same time. So just ask.
0: What is your meditative technique, Tom?
3: I simply start doing a breathing uh, technique where uh, I start breathe, uh, breathing in through my nose, out through my uh, my mouth, slows it down. And then I start um, uh, surrounding myself with a bubble of white light for protection. And they've even told me to go ahead and surround myself with a, a, a gold light on the outside of the white light. Uh, for extra added protection since I, I do something that no one else in the world is doing. And um, uh, and so it just, it takes me about five minutes to, to get down where I'm not thinking about things. I typically get up at 3.30 or 4, and it's an hour and a half to two hours. I have a whole list of questions that people have sent to me over the week, and uh, and I ask them, and and then go back to bed.
0: <laughs> have, have your angels always been there for you?
3: Yeah, I mean they're they're here for us, every one of us. Okay, every single one of us has uh, what we call guardian angels. Um, they're actually golden light beings that Creator uh, ask uh, put out a call for these golden light beings to assist and watch over us uh so they they have that duty and uh and then we have other help so typical guides like i have a couple of of writing guides i have a couple of guides that help me in my film distribution business and uh uh so on so they they come and they go depending on what you're doing in your life
0: tom do you help others tap into their angelic realm
3: yeah, I have, and um, uh, I uh, have put it in my first book, uh, The gentle Way, in the back there's an addendum, and I'm going to have the same, similar addendum in this uh, upcoming book, but it's an addendum, and it just shows you a little bit about what I say to put myself into a meditative state.
0: Tom's websites are linked up at com, and the books, of course, you can find on his websites, and I assume uh, Amazon.com's got them, Tom? Oh, yeah, of course. Excellent, excellent. And what's what's new for you after the book comes out?
3: Uh, <laughs> well, I, I have a, a major proje- project that's going to come along that uh, most people may not Believe and I can understand that, but my family and I are supposed to uh, uh, take a trip up to um, a Syrian mothership, and for 14 days we're going to shoot a series of documentaries.
0: That's from the Sirius star system. Yes, you're going away on a saucer to the Sirius. No. To- well, I'm,
3: I'm only 50 miles. They're 50 miles up and they're cloaked so that nobody can see them. Scare, scare everybody to death because the outside of the ship is three miles wide, and uh, on the inside it's 15 miles wide. Because there, they live in the ten positive energies, and we live in four negative energies that we our souls volunteered for what's called the Earth experiment, and uh, so we we live in four negative energies and. And it compresses everything. That's, that's why uh, there's the uh, – some people might have reported to you uh, recently that there was a, a crashed ship, and a guy went inside it 30 feet wide, and he said it was as big as the football field. Um, my buddy, my ET buddy, uh, who is a member of my soul cluster, um, told me that, that the guy was disoriented. And actually, the inside was only 150 feet wide, and not uh, three. Oh,
0: he was off by a little bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, something because it was quite disorienting to, you know, go inside a 30-foot ship and suddenly it's 100 feet, 150 feet wide.
0: How did this Syrian, and we're not talking about the country now. How did this Syrian contact occur for you?
3: Ah, uh, my my guardian angel Theo. Uh, one day in 2008, I was uh, we were talking about some ruins on the other side of the world, and he said, "Tom, he said you're, you know you're going to get to see those one day." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah, you're uh, uh, there's this ET that's uh, been uh, monitoring our conversations, and uh, he'll he'll take you."
0: And that happened for you. That's great. Tom, hold on for a sec. we We're at a break. We'll come back and chat more and get into some of your new thoughts for the year ahead. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Tom T. Moore with us. We'll take your calls with Tom next hour here. We're going to get into some of the things he sees and envisions for the future. And this information, again, comes to you how, Tom?
3: Uh, Right. uh, I ask the questions mentally, and I get a mental answer. From? So it. It, it comes right through. Everyone has what's called the pineal gland in the back of your heads. Yep. So anyone can do what I do, okay? But all telepathic-type thoughts all uh, are received through the pineal gland, which acts as an antenna. And scientists only so far know that the pineal gland just uh, secretes melatonin, but it has... Other use
0: now when you go to the syrian mothership are you going to be actually videotaping things aboard the ship
3: yeah it's going to be a four camera shoot
0: are they going to let you do that
3: oh yeah yeah it's already been done by what are called the upper timelines there are 12 timelines and timelines all the way down to timeline seven have already been on the ship and they've done done their documentaries and we're on timeline six, and we're next. It's just been an, a, a delay because, as you were uh, having earlier in the program, uh, it's, it's been a while to t- uh, for people to get used to the fact that there actually are UFOs and there, there are other species, okay? And now people have to get used to the fact that there really are other intelligent species in the universe.
0: Absolutely. That's what's,
3: that's what's been holding us up.
0: We've got a solar eclipse coming up in a couple months on April 8th. Uh, do you see anything special about that?
3: Yep. It's going to be the most benevolent event of the whole year. It's going to uh, start down uh, in Mexico. It'll come up through Del Rio and Eagle Pass, I think, and through Dallas and Fort Worth, Little Rock, um, on up uh, through uh, Poplar uh, Bluff, uh, uh, Missouri, close to where you are, and Indianapolis and Cleveland, Buffalo, uh, and Syracuse. So um, it's uh, it's going to be rewiring our our brains and and our feelings, to be more sympathetic to other people. It's going to be a big, big change. Tom,
0: 2023 was kind of uh, rough, I think, for a lot of people, especially worldwide with the Russian-Ukraine situation, Israel and Hamas and everything else. Do you see any of that changing this year?
3: Yeah, I was told that, that uh, the Ukrainian war... Will be the last one ever in Europe, okay? And that it's going to be stalled for a few months, obviously, with uh, uh, you know, with winter and and spring. But eventually, um, the Russian people are going to be tired of the war, and Putin is going to be on his way out. So that's that's going to be a big change for the Ukraine. Now, I asked the same question, well, what about the Middle East? Will this war, uh, Palestine and Israel, be the last one? And I was told, unfortunately, no, it will not be, that thousands and thousands of more people are going to die before uh, this war is finished, and it's going to, of course, um, you can already see it uh, widening in scope, Lebanon, what have you, so... Um, that's gonna that's gonna last for a while
0: do the angels get involved to try to fix things or do they just pass on information
3: no we're you know we're on our own in a way I mean we all have soul contracts in one life you're the hero in the next life you're the villain for uh, for the other soul cluster learning uh, but um, uh, you can, by requesting benevolent outcomes in your life, um, you, you can make all these challenges in your life much, much easier. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as an example, um, one of the things I've been recommending to people is that they say out loud, I request a most benevolent outcome to stay on my sole contract the rest of my life. Thank you. And when you say that, it's like the best New Year's resolution you could possibly have because it will affect your life so that you have more benevolent successes. And, and then when you have challenges, you simply say, I request the most benevolent come for whatever that challenge is. Thank you. And it's like a brick wall becomes a, a big speed bump. The challenges get easier.
0: Tom, what is a soul contract?
3: Um, A soul contract or a soul path, it's sort of interchangeable words, uh, is something that you and your soul, we're fragments of of souls, okay? So it's you and your soul decided on uh, before you were born. The problem is, of course, we're veiled. And so people don't know what our soul contracts are, and you can stray off your sole contract and um, and go down a path that is not as good for you, doesn't have as good of challenges, doesn't have as, as good of successes. Um, you might marry the wrong person, whatever. I mean, there's there's all, all sorts of things can happen when you get off your sole contract. So that's why I recommend people request a benevolent income to stay on your sole contract. Oh,
0: my God. Or
3: blow a relief disc or just melt and
4: go away. So they're watching this. They call the guys over from the Grumman Corporation, which had built the lunar module, and the guys at Terra W that had built the descent engine. They're huddling and saying, what the heck should we do? Gene Kranz, who's the the flight director of control, is trying to figure out whether he should even tell the astronauts. But unless they're going to abort and take off suddenly, there's really nothing they can do. So as they're pulling their hair out over this one, suddenly the readings return to normal. And as oh. they can figure, there was a little ice plug on a fuel line that froze because of the coldness of the lunar surface. But there was enough residual heat in the structure of the lunar module, descent stage, that it melted that little ice plug and it went away. But Just there in time.
0: There. Just, I remember talking to Buzz Aldrin, Rod, and he had to use his BIC pen <laughs> in order to launch the lem back up to the command module.
4: Yeah, as Armstrong was getting out, his backpack bumped a toggle switch, and off it snapped. And they stopped and looked at it and looked at each other and thought, well, we'll deal with that when we get back. And they
0: couldn't fit their fingers into it because of their right. gloves, right?
4: And so the engineers in the ground are trying to figure out a workaround. And so Alden <laughs> gets back in and goes, oh, I can fix this, and click, up it goes, and everything worked out fine. They had another interesting problem. They had a valve they opened up to let the, the air out of the cabin so they could open the door and get out to do their EVA for two and a half hours. And they couldn't get all the air out, and the hatch wouldn't open. So I was interviewing Buzz a couple of years ago, and I said, what did you do? And he said, well, you know, the limb was pretty lightly built, so we just kind of peeled back the edge of the hatch. Oh, was a little burst of ice. Just wake, amazing. Open it came,
0: yeah. And when you think of the technology back then, 1960s technology, here we are approaching 2020 in a couple of years, we we should be back In, like, seconds. I don't understand it.
4: Well, tell it to Congress. (laughs) I mean, we know we can do it. We've done it before. We've done it many times. And it
0: should be easier to to do it now with the technology we've
4: got. It should be. And when you see what's happening at Boeing with their new capsule, the Starliner, and you see if you get a chance ever to pop your head inside of Elon Musk's new Dragon 2 capsule— These things are beautiful works of art, very spacious, comparatively speaking, and they have just this glass console that comes down over the astronauts with a touch screen on it. Most of those toggle switches and those big heavy controls are gone, and everything's been streamlined, and it really is just a matter of money and willpower. We just haven't had that perfect storm, and when you think about it, we had post-World War II technology rush, we had the Cold War heating up, Kennedy had the Bay of Pigs to try and get out of his hair. Um, we were having this competition with this perfect enemy in the Soviet Union. And then to top it all off, Kennedy gets assassinated. And Apollo, although a lot of people, including famously Walter Mondale, wanted at one time or another to shut it down, it's a hot potato. You really can't touch it. we got a martyred president to remember here. So I think all these things combine to carry it through to the conclusion. But it was not a sure thing. A lot of people wanted that program stopped because it was expensive.
0: Ironically, today is the 14th anniversary of the Space Shuttle Columbia's disaster, February uh, 1st. Yeah. 2003? Yeah, that a sad moment. Seven uh, astronauts on that, and eventually we stopped the program, and we still haven't done anything yet. Are we ever going to, Rod? Yeah,
4: I mean, the shuttle was very expensive. It never reached its potential in terms of what we hoped it would do in flight rate and so forth. And it was kind of dangerous. There are a lot of single points of failure. So uh, they really retrenched. NASA, of course, is building a new capsule, the Orion, and a new large super booster rocket, the Space Launch System. And we'll see if that gets finished or not. That's up to the Trump administration to continue or curtail. It's expensive, too. But at the same time, you've got SpaceX and and Boeing both building their capsules, and they've got contracts to the tune of billions of dollars from NASA to fly people up to the space station to fly supplies back and forth, as Musk is already doing. And of course, as you know, Elon Musk has got big plans for Mars, and Jeff Bezos of Amazon, who's successfully building and flying fairly large rockets now, has got plans for colonizing low-Earth orbit and beyond. So uh, I think... It's the billionaires that are doing it. It's interesting because I'm working on a new book now about the new space age called Space 2.0. So I'm interviewing a lot of national space leaders, a lot of leaders in the U.S., former deputy administrator for NASA, lots of people from industry. And it's pretty well agreed, including by people overseas in Europe and Asia, that this the United States is the only place this can happen. Our business climate, tax structure, just the way things work here, the way entrepreneurial systems work here – and the brain trust that we've got seems to be, this is another magic moment like the 1960s where some amazing things are happening in the private sector.
0: Well, let's go back a little bit and talk about the Gemini 8. Tell us about that one. What happened? Uh,
4: that was, Gemini was the program between Mercury and Apollo, and it was really a sports car of a, of a capsule. Uh, Mercury had one, one person in it. Gemini took two. Mercury could change its orientation, but Gemini could actually change orbits. Which is a big thing because you're gonna to have to figure out how to dock spacecraft to be able to do the
0: Tom, through the magic of uh radio, we're back. Do you hear me okay?
3: <laughs> I can hear you.
0: Somebody from the Sirius star system's out to get us or something, huh?
3: <laughs> somebody somebody doesn't want uh, me telling people what's going to happen, I guess.
0: I to... oh, you know what? You never know. We, we have had so many controversial guests on the program, and they just seemingly disappear after a while. It's weird. Mm. It is just really weird. But anyways, back to what we were talking about. Okay. And uh, we were talking about what's happening. You, you, you've looked at the what you call the real Star Wars that lasted twenty seven thousand universal years, two hundred and seventy thousand Earth years. What was that? What happened?
3: Isn't that amazing? Yes. Um, in my book, I called it the Reptilian War. Okay, but diplomatically, they they call it the Great War, and the Reptilians um, that it came from another uh, galaxy and started taking over planets. And that uh, quickly evolved to this huge, long war that, that lasted for 27,000 universal years. And, and so everyone that's having a life on Earth, we all came from other planets. And so everyone lived through those, that war. And so everyone has a, a remembrance of that war subconsciously. So, um, so it went on and on. And I, I uh, was an amphibian from a, a water planet in the Sirius V star system. And I, I'm a religious uh, uh, person on that uh, planet and so I came up with the idea. Uh, we got time. Yep. Okay. I came up with the idea. Of why don't we offer the reptilians that they can take part in this Earth experiment, and they can uh, they can supply some of the souls uh, for it. And um, uh, it was completely turned down because. The, the reptilians were hated and despised, uh, you know, just ridiculous that you would make such an offer. And so it went on for another 450 uh, universal years. And things weren't going very well because the reptilians had more uh, warships than the, our Federation of Planets that eventually uh became 20,000 planets and it wasn't going good so finally they made the offer and they accepted so after that they said well gosh you know you're uh uh you know you think outside the box so everyone wanted me to first be a um uh to to make suggestions for the for the federation of planets and then when we started having lives on Earth, everyone wanted me to uh, to be their advisor, and that included you because you came from another planet, you were a leader on that planet, and upcoming, you're going to be a leader on uh, two different countries in future lives, and on the big life, you're going to be the president of the United States, and I'm going to be one of your main advisors.
0: Oh, Really? How long from now? Well, hope not well, 2024, least, right? <laughs> no,
3: that's at least three lives. The nice thing about it, you know, um, some people want to be leaders of, of countries, and they don't have any experience at all. You're going to do it the right way. You're going to be a leader of two different countries in two different lives, and then, uh, and then you will have the experience to be able to be the President of the United States.
0: All right, Tom, stay with us. We're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a short break and come back and uh, take phone calls with you as we talk about your incredible ability to tap into the star systems and uh, to ascertain what's going to happen in the future. So we'll take your calls with Tom T. Moore in just a moment on Coast to Coast AM. His website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com.